With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Warriors Offboard, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by Kevin Dana, the voice of the Santa Cruz Warriors. During our conversation, we went in-depth about what Golden State has learned from the G League bubble. Kevin, thank you so much for joining me back on the podcast. It's always great to catch up with you. Um, You know, I feel like you and I have a little bit of a a bond because we're both irrationally into the G League. Um, You're probably as into the G League as anyone I've ever met in my life. I think if if there was a G League historian out there, it should be you. Um, you know as much about this league and about the Santa Cruz Warriors as anyone on this earth. Um, and I'm, I would like to say that I am probably as into the G League as any traveling NBA beat writer in the country. Um, I feel like I write about the G League as much as any, you know, uh, beat writer who's working for a paper of record in the country. Um and so um, I, I love getting your thoughts on, on Santa Cruz. And I figured this would be the best time to have you on because we're, we're nearing the end of the G League bubble. Um, the Warriors just recalled or brought back up um, Jordan Poole and Nico Mannion. Um, and they, it's very possible they could end up playing tonight in Portland. Um, so I just wanted your thoughts. This has got to be such a unique experience for you, the, the entire bubble environment. I know you're, you're still in the Bay Area, right, calling games remotely. Yeah. What's your life been like uh, during all this? Yeah, I mean, it, it's been pretty nonstop, which you know, when, when it comes to calling games, that's kind of the way I like it. So, you know, the, the season started February 10th. And the regular season ends in the G League March 6th. So I will have done 36 G League regular season games from February 10th to March 6th, whether it's play-by-play or color, mostly play-by-play. But sometimes the G League will throw me a handful of games where they put me on color, and that's always fun. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, been, it's been a breakneck uh, pace over here, and uh, it's, been, it's been a lot of fun to watch the bubble uh, from my apartment. And then the Santa Cruz games we do from uh, Kaiser Permanente Arena still. Oh, nice. So you still have to make the trek down to Santa yeah. Cruz. Um, but you are I think you're in San Jose, so hopefully that's not too far of a trek. Yeah, it, it's pretty good, except when they do lane closures to, like, cut trees that might be falling down on the road. And then, then you get a little bit of backup. And thankfully, no mudslides. It took me four hours and 40 minutes one time. This was, like, four years ago. I missed the first half of a broadcast against the Quinn Cook-led Canton charge. <laughs> Drew Sheeler had to do play-by-play for 24 minutes. And then I got there at halftime, and uh yeah luckily i was able to call the second half but that that was a uh, no bueno yeah no I, I mean that's a scary drive down there for sure um but uh it's been it's been really fun for me uh following this feeling bubble because um it feels like you're just you're just packing it all into such a short period of time that you're getting all the best that the g league has to offer there's fewer teams so i think the talent level has gone up a little bit um you have a bunch of former nba players and you have Given how, um, given how it's set up, I think you have a lot of guys who are there who might not otherwise be there, guys who are trying to take advantage of, of just, you know, having a month-long showcase, basically. Um, I'm not sure Jeremy Lin would be in the G League this season if it wasn't for the G, G League bubble. There's a few other former NBA players who are there who probably wouldn't otherwise be there. Um, and so, uh, but from the Warriors' standpoint, I think that, it's been incredibly important uh, because you have three guys um, under contract with Golden State who, who were at the G League bubble and Jordan Poole, Nico Mannion, and Alan Smilegeach. Um, and I was a little surprised that they ended up sending all three of those guys, uh, particularly 
Jordan Poole. Uh, Jordan Poole is a kind of a fringe rotation guy. Um, he, he had just had that really good game, I think, against Dallas uh, right before uh, he went to the G League bubble. And it felt like he was starting to come on. So it was an interesting time for him to go there. So I, I wanted to get your thoughts on what each of those guys got out of their bubble experience. Alan is still there. Um, Nico and Jordan are back with the NBA team. Um, just starting with Jordan, um, you know, he was basically asked to go down there and be put in more of a playmaking role. It looks like his, it looks like his NBA role is probably going to be more as a secondary ball handler rather than just a catch and shoot guy, which is why he, which is what he was drafted for coming out of Michigan. How have you felt like he was able to grow in that respect during this experience with Santa Cruz? Well, there there was a lot of positive with Jordan, and then there were a, a lot of uh, areas of improvement, shall we say. In the playmaking department, he would make some plays that would blow your mind. He had a he had this one play where he was taking a guy off the dribble from the left wing, took it underneath the hoop. There was a defender sitting in the paint, a big man. There was a lefty wraparound pass over the big man's head, right to the wing, hitting Jeremy Lin on the money for a wide open three and he drilled it was part of a comeback. I think that was against Fort Wayne. Uh, it, so if you look at his numbers, he averaged like three and a half, a little more than three and a half assists per game. The problem was he had nine more turnovers than he did assists. So 49 turnovers to 40 assists. And you never want your point guard to have a 0.8 assist to turnover ratio. You obviously want that like maybe three times that or two and a half times that. But outside of that, there were a lot of good, you know, he, he made a lot of big time shots, uh, sent a game to overtime on just kind of like, I'm going to put the team on my back kind of layup. He averaged 22 a game. His three point percentage was a little down. And some of that was because he would take some bad shots, but you know, he and Nico Mannion were out there. Uh, obviously Jordan was there to, you know, work on his playmaking, but he was going to have the ball in his hand a, a lot. And so sometimes he would make some bad decisions, but I mean, he had a lot of good moments, rebounded pretty well, a little more than five rebounds per game and, and cut down on the turnovers over his last two games. I think his third to last game, he had a triple double with 29 points, 12 rebounds and 10 turnovers. I think he only had five turnovers combined over his last two so that was a, a sign of improvement. And the other thing, um, he would, he could be pretty good defensively. And then there were times where it, there was one instance, Golden State was up four with like eight seconds to go in a game. And the only thing you don't do is foul. And he fouled a three-point shooter who made the shot and then made the free throw and the game went to overtime. And luckily Santa Cruz won that game, but there were a cut and he wasn't the only guy to foul a three-point shooter late in the game in, in a, in a close game. So it wasn't just Jordan, but, there was a lot of great stuff, and then there was a lot of stuff where, like, yeah, this kid's still in his early 20s, and he still has a, a lot of room to grow. But you can see the NBA talent, that's for sure, because the, the, he had a lot of wow players where you're like, yeah, all right, I, I, I see why Golden State liked him. Yeah, and I want you to put this in context a little bit. I think, I think the average uh, NBA fan might have a hard time gauging or knowing how to judge G League production. Um, and you obviously have, um, you know, a lot of a pretty long track record of seeing uh, guys dominate the G League and go on to have good NBA careers. Um, Damian Lee was pretty dominant for Santa Cruz for a while before he cracked the Warrior Golden State's rotation. Uh, Quinn Cook was maybe the best G League player ever, at least statistically. Um, in his in his time uh, toward toward his the end of his time in the G League, um, before he ended up cracking Golden State's rotation. Um, so when you're looking at these numbers from Jordan, um, you know I'm looking at 32 percent shooting from three, 32.5 uh, percent shooting from three, um, 4.4 turnovers per game. But then you also ha I like the fact that he shot 92.9 percent from the foul line. I like the shot that he. Had I like the fact that he averaged 22.4 points per game. Um, I also I, I felt like maybe he should have averaged a little bit more than 3.5 assists per game, given that he was in that playmaker yeah. role. Um, so can you kind of just put that in context compared to the Damian Lees and the Quinn Cooks of the world who, you, who you've seen before? Yeah, so I mean, Quinn Cook, at the end of his stint with Santa Cruz, he had, he had a couple of 40.10 assist games, and it was – 
it was incredible. He he had probably the best numbers like for a certain stretch of games with Santa Cruz. I will always say, and I'll take this to my grave, that Elliot Williams is the best player Santa Cruz has ever had. Uh, he was unreal. And yes, we've had Seth Curry, but that was before he became the Seth Curry we see today. But yeah, I mean, Quinn Cook averaged, I'm looking at it right now, more than 25 a game, eight assists, 4.6 rebounds. The, the difference, I guess, between Quinn Cook and Jordan Poole, well, yeah, I mean, Quinn Cook is just a heck of a player. He played four years at Duke, and so by the time he got to Santa Cruz, he was already 24 years old. Jordan Poole is 21, so he had a little more experience. Um so, yeah, uh, Damian Lee was around 20 points a game, I want to say, maybe a little bit more, but he wasn't always, you know, he was going back and forth between Golden State and Santa Cruz, Damian Lee, and he didn't always have the ball in his hands because you know, he's, he's not a point guard, so he... He wasn't making the decisions that Jordan Poole and Quinn Cook were. And it's not necessarily a given that, hey, if you drop 30 a game in the G League, that you're going to go on and be a rotation player for eight to 10 years in the NBA. Like Antonio Blakeney was the G League Rookie of the Year three years ago. He averaged 32 a game for the Windy City Bulls. And right now he's in the G League bubble, the Canton Charge. And he is an incredible scorer at the G League level. And he averaged like eight a game for Chicago for a couple of seasons. But that doesn't necessarily always mean that you're going to be a big-time NBA player. Like Juan Toscano Anderson, uh, he came off the bench in 18-19, and uh, he couldn't have averaged more than 10 to 12 points a game for Santa Cruz in the 19-20 season. I think he averaged 12. Yeah, yeah, he averaged 12 a game. Uh, And that was a lot for Juan. I mean, this is a guy who barely – scored in college in Marquette. Uh, so it's not always the points and, and the big numbers. Yeah, he averaged 12 and a half a game uh, with Santa Cruz. But well, you, know, he that, you make an interesting point there because a lot of the guys who are coming out of the G League are guys who their role in the NBA translates to being a role player. Exactly. And being a role player often doesn't call for you to score a bunch of points. It calls yep. for you to do a lot of the other things that go into an NBA game and that serve winning. And I think the yes. reason why Juan Descano Anderson – in my opinion, has proven that he deserves a long-term role with Golden State is because he's so good at all the little things. He sees the floor so well. He's such a better passer than I ever imagined. A phenomenal passer for his position. <clears throat> he really is a, a mini Draymond in, in that in that respect. Um, he works really hard defensively, and then his energy level is through the roof every single game. And when you're talking about a guy who's maybe a 13th, 14th, 15th guy on the roster – those are the things that really matter. And he's a great teammate and all those things. And so um, it's crazy. I never would have said this even a few months ago, but I think of, I think that Juan Descano Anderson could end up having a better NBA career than someone like Quinn Cook, who by the way, was just cut by the Lakers, even though Quinn Cook has shown um, some flashes throughout his NBA career. He's not as good at those little things that, that role players need to stick in the league. And so, um, you know, I'm personally really fascinated to see what happens with Jordan because I think that this is a really pivotal stretch for him coming up this, ne- this next up- upcoming season, yes. the rest of this season. And then next season, he was guaranteed for next season already. So he should have next season to prove himself again. But there's been so much talk in the organization, really more than any other young player on this roster, that he's he's going to have a breakthrough. He worked so hard. He was so amazing in the offseason. It's been really beaten into our minds at this point from everyone in the organization. Like, this guy is going to be good. And I just, I just haven't seen it, you know, like consistently. Uh, now, he hasn't gotten regular minutes with Golden State, but he had the opportunity to. Um, he couldn't beat out Michael Mulder, who it, to me is a legitimate NBA player. Um, but – you know, he also was undrafted, toiled in the G League for a while, whereas Poole was a first-round pick. Um, so if you can't beat Michael Mulder, I don't know what that says for you going forward. I, I'm not convinced right now that Jordan Poole is a guy who's going to stick in the league long-term. Um, I think he could very easily be out of the league after next season if he doesn't make a significant step forward. Um, you know, you see the talent there. Uh, you see why he was a first-round pick. It's not nothing against Jacob Evans, but it's not a Jacob Evans situation where it was just clear that he wasn't necessarily worthy of that first-round pick right away. Jordan's shown flashes, but I'm just I, I, I'm not convinced that he's going to stick around long-term. 
unless he makes some huge breakthrough coming the next year or so. Yeah, I mean, the main thing with Jordan is consistency. You mentioned it because he, he's shown the flashes, but now he's got to sh- take those flashes and make them into longer stretches. You know, the coaching staff was really working with him in Santa Cruz on being a playmaker and making smarter decisions on the court because uh, he's, you know, kind of kind of plays like high risk, high reward kind of game. Uh, and if he can cut down those bad decisions, which it was only a two game sample size, but five turnovers combined in the last two games, as opposed to 10 in the previous game, that is a sign that it's going in the right direction. Obviously you're going to need to see a lot more games like the last two, than you're going to need to see uh, the, the one that was third to last, but if he can make better decisions on the court, the talent is there. And you know, not to sound like a total, a mouthpiece for the organization, but I, I was there at the the double, the the mini camp that game October first, and Jordan Poole was the best player on the floor. Um, now, obviously, uh, you know the the top guys on the roster weren't there, but you know, Jordan Poole looked fantastic in in that you know shortened scrimmage. So I could see why the organization uh, has such high hopes for him because man, he looked good in that game, and there. Uh, when uh, there are times, even this year, Golden State is the you know against Detroit the last game before uh before going to the G League bubble where he he was on fire. And then there's moments like when the game is out of hand, when either Golden State's up 25 or down 25 late, where he'll put together some really nice stretches. Now you want to see him not do that in garbage time and do it uh, when the game is on the line, like it was you know for stretches against Detroit before they blew them out in that game. So we'll see. You are absolutely right. The rest of this, the you know, second half of this regular season for Jordan Poole is, is going to be very pivotal. What do you think is the best case scenario for Jordan in the NBA at this point? Like, is he, could he be – do you see him as like a, a fringe rotation guy? Do you see him as a guy – who, uh, you know, could could give you 20, 25 minutes a night. Um, what do you what do you say? I mean, yeah, best case scenario. And uh, I'm not the best at predicting these things, but I, I could like if we're talking, you know, what what Jordan Poole could be. I think he could be a seventh or eighth guy who, who could give you 20 minutes a game or so and, and do that for multiple, multiple years, uh, because, yeah, if he if he takes he makes better decisions on the court like the the skill level is there the playmaking ability is there and the shot making can be there in, in stretches i know he shot 33 percent from three in the g league this season i'll round up 32.5 to 33 um uh, and, and he has shown it in stretches at golden state he, if he gets hot he could fill it up so i could see him being a, a rotation player in the nba for for multiple years for sure yeah, and he's going to – I'm really curious to see both him, and we're going to talk about Nico here in a second, but him and Nico getting some hopefully some backup point guard minutes because it doesn't look like Wanamaker is the answer. Um, you know, he only has a one-year contract anyway. He'll probably finish out the season. Um, but he's really struggled. And Steve Kerr made some comments yesterday that kind of seemed to hint toward the fact that they were going to make some changes there potentially. Um, and I think that's maybe part of why – they didn't let uh, they didn't let Nico and Jordan finish out the bubble. Maybe they want to give them a couple uh, opportunities before the All Star break to, to see what they can do in that backup point guard spot. But um, Jordan Poole, to me, has pr- proven that he can be a secondary ball handler, um, and I think that's probably his best role going forward. Um, and you know, the Warriors, as you know, don't don't necessarily look at that backup point guard spot spot in a traditional way. Um, they just are looking for secondary ball handlers, guys, when the ball is not in Steph or Draymond's hands who can kind of help initiate the offense. And so um, he'll get that opportunity, and it'll be really interesting to see. We'll have more of my conversation with Kevin Dana right after the break. Going on, go, going on to Nico, um, I was really curious to see how Nico would look in the G league bubble, because he obviously he was a guy who coming out of high school, everyone was saying was going to be one and done and was going to be a potential lottery pick. Um, you know, he back in the day, he had that when he was like 15 years old, he had a 7,000 word feature in SI done on him. One of the best stories I've ever read. Yeah. Great story. I love Chris Ballard, by the way. Um, great story. Um, but so much hype around him. 
And he goes to Arizona and he underwhelms. Uh, he did not shoot the ball well. I think he struggled at times uh, leading an offense. Um, it was shaky defensively. Um, and so he fell all the way to a late second round, uh, which, you, which anyone I think would have been a, a little surprised about because even though he wasn't going to be a lottery pick, people still thought maybe late first round, early second. Then he barely gets drafted um, and he's on a two-way deal. So there's tons of uh, motivation from Nico's end. Um, and then when he did play with Golden State before he went to G League Bubble, I actually thought he looked pretty good, um, especially as a passer. Now, he played some garbage time minutes, but, you know, he looked like he saw the floor well. He looked comfortable. I was very impressed in limited minutes. And so I was like, okay, if you can go to the G League bubble and just dominate, and and, do, and by dominate, I don't mean like average 30 points per game. I mean dominate in terms of being the true point guard um, and, and and getting them in a, in the flow of the offense and, and making the right reads and, and not turning the ball over a ton then maybe you legitimately deserve some backup point guard minutes right now. Um, what do you think of what uh, he did in his his G League time? It felt like he was up and down, but that he he came on strong toward the end. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to put it concisely. His first two games, he turned it over a combined 15 times. And then the final seven games, he turned it over 19 times combined. So he took a lot better care of the basketball as the season wore on, I was really impressed with, with Nico Mannion. So, you know, he finished with 62 assists to 34 turnovers, but over his last seven games, it was 49 assists uh, or 50 assists to 17 turnovers. So nearly a three to one assist to turnover ratio over his last seven. Uh, this guy was uh, over the last couple of games, hitting some big shots. He missed a few games. Um, and and that, yeah, he missed three three games it was before he got back into the lineup. And then his last couple of games, he was just dominant and he hit some big shots. He got that. He really struggled from downtown to start as well. So it wasn't just the turnovers, but in his first, you know, two games, he was six of 21 from beyond the arc and he finished with 27 of 75. So just doing the quick math, what is that? That's 21 of his last 54, which is close to 40% over his last seven games on a pretty big sample size, nearly eight attempts per game. And he had, you know, he was five of nine from three in his last game, hitting some big shots as well, playing with a lot of swag. I mean, he, he, he got an and one or finished over a big uh, in the lane and called the big flopper boy. We could see him mouth it to the big, like he, he plays with some flair when he really gets going. Yeah. When he is into the groove, when he is into the offense, man, it, it is a joy to watch for sure. Like he and Jordan both really had some impressive moments, and yet yeah, Nico ended up averaging 19 a game. Uh, I really like the way he was able to control the offense after those first two games where he turned it over eight in the first game and seven in the second game or reverse. I, I can't remember the order of the eight and seven turnovers, but it was 15 turnovers in the first two games, then took a lot better care of the basketball, averaged fewer than three turnovers per game over his last seven. Yeah, and he, I think he really, especially at the NBA level, needs to lean into being just a true point guard, a pass first yeah. guy. I think he needs to just embrace that and just go all in on that. Um, but he does need to be a better shooter if he's going to stick in the league. You know, he doesn't need to be an elite shooter, but he needs to be decent. Um maybe even a little bit better than decent. Um, and it, looking at his numbers, you know, I like the fact that he he shot 36% from three. You know, the 36% is around average uh, in the NBA at least. Uh, maybe yeah. you, since it was G League competition, maybe you're hoping that he shot a little bit better than that. But it seemed like he, when I looked at his numbers earlier in the G League, they were much worse than that. So it looks like he, he got significantly better toward the end of the G League bubble but only 40.5% from the field as, as a whole against G League competition. Like, look, I know this guy's a rookie, but the, G, the NBA is cutthroat, man. Like, you got Luka Doncic, who's, who's 20, 21 years old, you know, putting up MVP caliber numbers. You've got, uh, you know, you got James Wiseman, who's 19 years old and, and playing big minutes for Golden State and looking like the future. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not one of these guys who's just, willing to just sit back and be like, oh, well, Alan Smiley is only 20, 21 years old. It's like, well, I get it, but 
you got to prove yourself, man. You like, you know, like <laughs> you got to prove yourself. And you, you know, if you're on an NBA contract, you need to be borderline dominant against G League competition. That's just that's just how it is. Yeah, I mean, it, his shooting percentage, 41%, certainly you would like to see it better. I will say the last two games, he got up 41 shots and hit 20. So, you know, that you know that shooting percentage was in the 30s until those last couple of games and then get it, got it up to 41%. Uh, so, yeah, I, I do think with a larger sample size, that would have gotten up because he did get off to a bit of a slow start. He was still putting up decent just per game averages, but was a lot less efficient and then got more efficient as the season went on, especially in his last two games. And and then he ha- he did also have one game uh, where he had 12 assists and no turnovers. Uh, so that, that was a really impressive game against Memphis. And he, he was really starting to be a pest defensively, had back-to-back four steal games. So he was produced. All right. Yeah. I mean, he's not going to be Luka Doncic. Sure. But uh, I think there was a, definitely from what I saw in his time with Golden State, where I thought he he really did set up teammates well in garbage time, albeit. And, and then what I saw over the last few games of the bubble there, there is definitely a lot to like with Nico Mannion. Yeah. And he's a guy who also faces a, a pretty uh, crucial stretch here. I know that he is a rookie, but when you're talking about someone who He's a two-way guy. Obviously, you, you constantly have to prove yourself. And uh, the nice thing about that two-way contract is that, um, you know, it looks like they're lifting uh, – they're going to be changing some of the rules, and so he could play more game. I mean, I don't think the 50-game limit was going to be an issue for him anyway. Uh, but he, if they wanted to play him in the playoffs, they could. Um, and he is a guy who um, they're going to be able to retain his rights after this season. So uh, I think – what his goal needs to be this season is show enough where he can, he can ease the front office's concerns and say, look, keep, give me a guaranteed contract for next season, put me on the 15 man roster and I can be, you know, a number two slash number three point guard for you. That needs to be his goal. I, I think he has a long ways to go still to prove that. Um, and when, and if he can't prove that, which I think it will be difficult for him to do that, I'm not even sure he'll get enough minutes to really prove that. Um, you, you never know what's going to happen with a guy like that. He, he, I think he'll still get opportunities. He might have to go elsewhere. Um, but, uh, you know, this is also really important, but I think it's so critical that he got that time in the G league because I'm, it, I, you could see the growth there. You could see how much he learned in a short period of time. And I feel like he probably got more out of the past month than he's going to get out of the rest of the NBA season just from a learning standpoint because he's actually able to get out there and and do it in a in in a in meaningful minutes. I, I think at the very least, he's proven that he should get a, a that he's deserving of a second year on a two way contract for for sure. And you can sign a two year two way. I, I don't know if he signed a two year two way. But I think for at the very least, he's shown that he was worthy of being put on a two-way contract and he's worthy of getting more time with Golden State for sure. Yeah, yeah. And if he's – I think the Warriors would definitely at least war, uh, welcome that. I think it would be more about if he even wants to be on a two-way for a second year. I mean, but the truth is he's probably going to have a hard time getting a 15-man roster spot somewhere. So that could end up being his best option. Um, you know, the, there are worse things than – you know, still being in on an NBA roster. Uh, yeah. Alan, Alan Smilagic, uh is, is the, obviously the last Golden State Warrior who was, who's at the bubble. And um, if we're going to, we've talked about how crucial these upcoming stretches are for Nico and uh, Nico and Jordan. Uh, the stakes aren't higher for anyone than they are for Alan Smilagic. Um His career is on the line. I don't think that's an overstatement. Uh, he, and it's unfortunate for him because obviously he went into the season knowing that this was going to be his last guaranteed contract year, uh, meaning that they could part ways with him without being out a dollar starting next season. Um, and so he really needed to at least prove that he was making strides and warranted a longer look, but then he, com- he comes down immediately with that, with that injury. Was it an ankle injury or no, it was in- knee injury. Yeah. Uh, had right meniscal tear. Injury. Uh, yeah. And so he, he misses all the time and then is late to the G league bubble. Um, and has only gotten eight games in so far at the G league bubble. And just looking at the numbers, I've watched a couple of his games, but I haven't been able to watch a ton of his games. Um, 
they've been very super underwhelming. Uh, he's only averaging 8.4 points per game. At least from a statistical standpoint, he's regressed in a big way. Um, take us through what's going on with Allen. Okay, well, I, I will qualify a couple things by saying, A, uh, for, for a completely unbiased opinion, you are coming to the wrong guy because uh, I saw him, you know, his rookie season in 18, 19, his rookie G League season, uh, and I was uh, converted. Um, so well, I was super high on him too, if you remember. I wrote yeah, oh, a yeah. story yeah, on definitely. him that year. And uh, uh, I'm not trying to say that I, I think he has no chance. I'm just saying, like, he has a lot more to prove. To stick yeah, no, I, I would agree that he has a lot more to prove for sure. Um, I, I, I will admit that I am a lot higher on Alan Smilagic than than most people. Um, I, and I will say those his per game averages, he's only getting in 19 minutes a game. So those numbers will look a little worse if uh, – just uh, compared to the minutes he's gotten in the past because they have him on around a 20 minutes a game minutes restriction. But yeah, I mean, this is without a doubt a very pivotal moment in Allen's career, more pivotal than, than pools or, or, or Nico's for, for sure. There's no doubt about it. And what I've seen his first game, he had 19 points in 17 minutes and he just looked like a world beater out there, but uh, he, he definitely has had his struggles since, um, the, the thing that they are working with with Allen is playing within the offense because he is so programmed to kill, kill, kill. He gets the ball, an ideal Allen Smiley each possession is he gets the rebound, he brings it up, and then he dunks on the entire team. And he tries to do that, and that's why you see him miss a lot of dunks. I mean, I, I know uh, there, there was a missed dunk that he had in a recent yeah, game where, where, you know, he, he didn't get it, uh, he didn't, the ball didn't clear the rim and then he falls on his back and he just has this big look of despair on his face. Um, and so like, yeah, he misses more dunks than most people because he is trying to dunk every time, but he has gotten better. I would say at playing within the offense, I've seen incremental improvement in the fact that he isn't trying to take everybody off the dribble from the top of the key. He's looking to swing it a little bit more. And that's what they're going to need out of Allen is to not just try to put everybody on the gram that he plays. Cause certainly he's, he is not, at the level where he can have that kind of freedom within Steve Kerr's offense. Uh, and they don't want him to play that way with Santa Cruz either. Cause they want him to mimic what he would be doing with golden state. So the, he's had some, he's had some really tough three point shooting games. He's only three for 17 from downtown. That's 18% small sample size, but and that's, but still, that's important though, because the warriors see him as a pick and pop big like they in a best case scenario they want him to be the next davis Bertans. yeah he he i mean the form looks fine it just has never really got in at the level that you would hope for him he, he shot it i want to say like in the low 30s last year from three for santa cruz maybe low to mid 30s i'm pulling it up right now all right what was that percentage 34.1 percent in 19 games, and it was like 24% the year before. I mean, his shot did look better last year, and it looks okay. Yeah, like, I don't have any problems with his form. There's no glaring hits or anything. It, ju it just hasn't gone down, unfortunately. And I, I think he's missed his last seven attempts from deep. So uh, hopefully it goes in at a better clip. You know, Santa Cruz has two more regular season games. They're guaranteed at least one postseason game. So uh, time is wearing out in the bubble for him to show marked improvement, but he has made some gradual strides. Um, but yeah, there's definitely more that, that, uh, Golden State would like to see, I would imagine. Well, it, just looking at this realistically, um, these next couple of G League games are going to be, could be, could be his last like real big opportunity to prove himself because, I just don't see a world where he gets meaningful minutes on Golden State this season. I'm sure Steve will try to get creative, maybe one or two games here or there, like he did last season. But it's going to be harder. I mean, Steve's struggling to play Juan Descano Anderson right now, who he loves, like absolutely loves. Yeah. Like he wants to play Juan every game. But it's just – it's actually a good problem to have. They have too many rotation caliber players right now. They have legitimately 12 rotation caliber players before Jordan Poole and Nico came, Nico came back. Yeah. Um, and you know, Steve likes to run a, a 10, 10 man rotation. So that it's just hard to see a world where he gets any sort of meaningful minutes with golden state. And then, you know, your contracts up. So like your guaranteed yeah. years are up. So it, in, 
it's just it's it's hard to see a world where um he's on a guaranteed contract not just with golden state with any team next season i think what's my guess uh is that he's probably going to land on a two-way somewhere next season whether or not that's with golden state or with another team i think he's he's intriguing enough still to like warrant that type of investment um but you know he just he and the injuries have really hurt him and he has not proven like you said he has not proven that he can play in the flow of an offense and that's incredibly important he has such an interesting skill set but um, I just don't see how it translates to an NBA game right now. I mean, he, you're not going to – there's not an NBA team where you're going to go out and be allowed to or encouraged to just, like, take over the offense, which is what he tries to do. Um, you have to play off the ball. You have to move off the ball. You have to uh, make the right reads, and you have to defend your position. And and he has a lot to, a lot to prove. And, look – talking to people in the organization, like I said earlier, they see him as a, as a floor stretching big. And if, if you're quote unquote floor stretching big and you're shooting what you're shooting in the G league, I mean, at a certain point, numbers matter, man, you know, like this is a cutthroat league, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, 17 shots is a very small sample size. I mean, we saw it with Kelly Oubre. I want to say he missed his first 17 three. So I, w- I mean, just because of the minutes he's getting in the G League this year, I mean, at, yes, at some point, numbers matter, and he has to hit better. But than where 18%. are those minutes going to come is from? Is my question. Like, yeah, well, is, he, I mean, he, he's not. He's, life, he's right? I mean, running out of town, running out of time for sure. I will say, um, as uh, as I've seen him play this year, I mean, he is twenty four of thirty three inside the arc. That's better than seventy one percent. So he is converting down low but you want you know as a floor spacing big uh you want to see him hit those shots uh for sure there there, there's no doubt about it yeah and i feel like i'm just looking at your we're talking over zoom right now i'm looking at your face and i feel like i'm i feel like you're almost like hurt (laughs) just (laughs) talking talking about the reality of alan's situation but i think it's a good case study and just how tough it is you know when in the nba um you know you're you really a lot of these teams draft guys and they say, Oh, he's a project. He's a long-term project, you know, we're, but when it, when push comes to shove, you know, after a couple of years and you're not seeing him actually being close to being able to contribute to an NBA game, it's really easy to give up on a guy. You know, you've seen a bunch of case studies, a bunch of guys in the league who teams gave up on because they just weren't close to contributing. And then maybe three, four, five years later, um, they end up being helpful NBA players. Someone like Hassan Whiteside comes to mind. Yep. Um, you know, there's been a bunch of guys like that who I'm sure you've seen in the G League. Um, so it'll be I, – I, I think that he could be a guy who he, maybe even he has to go back overseas and he just starts dominating for Belgrade uh, yeah. and then comes back to the NBA. You know, anything can happen. Um, what – uh. I, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about Jeremy Lin. Um, Jeremy Lin, yeah. I know, is not on, under contract with Golden State in any way, but uh, he's a huge name. People still remember Lin Sanity. He still seems to have a global following. Everything I write about that guy blows up. The most read story I've written all year was the story I did right after he signed with Santa Cruz looking at why he chose to go to the G league. That has been my most read story. And it's actually been one of the chronic San Francisco Chronicles, most read stories of the entire year. Wow. Uh, So uh, that just tells you the level of interest in this guy. Um, And obviously he's made, he's made a lot of headlines in the G league bubble, not even for his actual play, but for everything that went on, uh, you know, with his, him saying that he was called coronavirus during a game. And then, that got a ton of traction. And then everything he said, uh, speaking out against violence against Asian Americans, which I give him a ton of credit for. Um, but in terms of his actual play, he's statistically, I think he's been impressive. Now he has a lot of turnovers, but he's shooting 49.4% from the field and 43.2% from three. And he's looked in the games I've watched. He looks really comfortable as a true point guard in a lot of ways, you know, he's, he's facilitating, he's seen, he's seen things really well. He looks like a guy who could be in the NBA 
right now. I know, I think it sounded like he was dealing with back spasms, right, for a while. Um, yeah, so he's missed five, six games, actually, with, with back spasms. And not all in a row. He, like, came, he missed a couple games, came back for one game, missed a couple more, and then uh, returned to the lineup. And that, unfortunately, I think is kind of a big deal because he – one of the big things NBA front offices were looking for from him is can you stay healthy? Because the biggest reason he was out of the league was he he had some a couple serious injuries and then just was never quite the same player. Um, and so even though it might seem minor that he had back spasms for a handful of games and had to miss a handful of games, uh, when you're talking about a small – sample size i think it could hurt his chances what do you what do you think about like if you're an if you're an nba gm right now and you need another point guard are you taking a flyer in jeremy lynn right now yeah for a 10-day contract without a doubt i mean this guy's an nba player he's uh, 32 might sound old but that's like considered the edge of your prime year that's 32 he's playing pretty well yeah, he yeah, I yeah, exactly. So I I want him. You you know, you're using those I mean, if I were an NBA GM, which I'm not and I never will be, but like I would want a guy who is ready to produce right now on a 10-day contract and there is without a doubt that Jeremy Lin can produce right now. I mean, you know, 19.7 assists, uh, nearly 2 to 1 assist to turnover ratio. You're right, the turnover number is a little bit high, but he has the the assist to make that ratio a little bit better. You said the shooting numbers. He's close to 90 at the foul line. Really controls the offense. Well, he's been a great veteran presence for that team. I would 100% sign Jeremy Lin to a 10-day contract yesterday. Do you? I, I I hope he does. It's such a it's a good story. I give him so much credit for banking on himself. He easily could have he easily could have stayed in China, cash checks. He was making seven figures. He was a an icon there a lot of people would have just been like my life is pretty good here um but yeah. he wanted to bank on himself i think they're they're the competitor in him wanted to prove to himself that he could still play in the nba and so i give him so much credit for even being there and the games that i've watched i think he's been santa cruz's best player when he's available is that fair to say yeah Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I would definitely say, uh, yeah, I mean, him or Axel Tupon, uh, who was in training camp with Golden State, I, w- I would give the edge to Jeremy for sure, but uh, I, I love me some Axel Tupon. But yeah, yeah a Jer- little, Jeremy. A little surprised great. about Axel Tupon, actually. Um, you know, he, he wasn't, he, I know he had a cup of coffee in the NBA, but he, he, he looked at his numbers overseas and even in the G League, they weren't great. Actually, is this his first G League? experience no so he, he played two years with raptors 905 from 2015 to 17 uh when he wasn't getting a, a cup of coffee with milwaukee new orleans and, and there was one other team that he played for uh uh i, I forget but do, he do has like tw- do you think he's an nba player or has a chance to be an nba player still i i i do and uh, i i know i say that about a lot of players and when i say someone's an nba player i mean they literally can play NBA regular season games, which Axel Tupon has. He's played 25 games. He also played for Denver, and he was like a rotation guy for the last part of a season for a team that didn't make the playoffs. But yeah, he was getting 15 minutes a game over 21 games for uh, the uh, for the Denver Nuggets five years ago. I the the thing that is probably his best NBA skill is his ability to cut off the ball and make sharp decisions on when to cut. Because he, I don't know how many times we've seen him cut from the wing and just get a dunk. Uh, in the ha- in a half court set over the course of the I think he's played nine games this year eight games he's played this year so he's missed some time with injury as well but I mean he is a professional basketball player without a doubt he just look there are some guys you look at and you say oh this guy has an NBA body Axel Tupon has an NBA body and all right he he wasn't fantastic in the limited preseason minutes he had with Golden State but uh, in, in the G League man he's yeah, he's been very, very good. I've I've long been an Axel Tupon supporter from his time with Raptors 905 and was super pumped that, that he was going to be with Santa Cruz. And uh, of the last guy I wanted to t- just touch on briefly was Caleb, Caleb Wesson. I was really intrigued by him uh, coming out of uh, – in, coming into preseason. You know, he, he was uh, – he put up great shooting numbers at Ohio, Ohio State, which is obviously a big, big-time school. Um, you know, I thought that he had a chance to to prove himself as an NBA player. Um, he didn't get much of an opportunity in preseason with Golden State. And then, you know, it, he's, it sounds like he's been up and down. Um, 
with uh, with Santa Cruz. He's only shooting 31.8% from three, which, you know, as a guy who his entire reputation is as a floor spacing big, that's not great. Um, do you think he has any chance to maybe get a two-way or something like that? Yeah, I, I don't think he'll get a two-way this year, but I think he definitely could get one in the future. I mean, if those shooting numbers improve. But the thing that I've really been impressed with is his rebounding. I mean, he is gobbled up like every miss. He's averaging close to 10 rebounds a game. He's a he's an automatic double-double in the G League. He finishes well inside. Uh, he's been a joy to watch. And he's also a really good passer, uh, especially out of the mid to high posts. Uh, I've seen him hit cutters. You know, he's averaging more than two and a half assists per game. Uh, so th- that stuff has all been good. And, and yeah, I mean, he was advertised as a fuller spacing big. He shot 43% from three is last year at the Ohio state university. And so that number has been a little down for him. Uh, He, he has hit more threes recently, but you can see in his free throw stroke that he definitely can shoot it. He's 90% at the line has a good arc on his shot. I'm definitely intrigued by Caleb Wesson that I think, yeah, in, in the future, there, there's definitely a chance that he could get a two-way maybe this year. Likely it might take another year in the G League, a full 50-game season to kind of let those percentages play out a little bit more and show people as he continues to kind of get his body right. Because, you know, at Ohio State, there was one time where he was close to pushing three bills, and now he's kind of – you know, Chris Williams was telling me he's around the mid-250s right now, which, which is a perfect weight for him. So he's done a good job on his body, and if he can continue to show that he can stay at that weight level, improve that three-point percentage to what we saw at Ohio State and continue to rebound at an elite level and, and provide the passing that he, that he has uh, for his size, why not take a, a flyer on a two-way for, for Caleb Wesson? What, one one kind of parting thought I wanted to leave you with and uh, was I had a really good conversation the other day with Aaron Miles for a story I was doing on Juan Scott Anderson. And Aaron said something interesting, which was, uh, as you know, and, and hopefully our listeners know, Aaron was the former Santa Cruz Warriors head coach and is now a player development coach for Golden State. Um, he said that he's really hesitant to say that someone's not an NBA player when he's talking about fringe guys like G League yeah. guys or – because um, really it's all about fit. It's all about uh, the system. And basically every guy we've talked about here, even probably the Caleb Lessons and two pawns of the world, you know, if they found the right fit, uh, you know, and found a situation that plays to their strengths and, and, and they're given a real opportunity, they probably could carve out a significant NBA career and stick in the league for, a while. I think the ultimate example right now is Juan, um, who, you know, myself included, did not take seriously as an NBA player until very recently. Um, you know, but he banged on the door. You know, he he took a he, he took a fire on himself and and walked away from a six figure contract in Mexico to uh, try out for a training camp spot with gold with Santa Cruz Warriors. Needed needed a deadline needed a trade right before the season to even make Santa Cruz's regular season roster. Eventually cracked the rotation of Santa Cruz, proved himself enough to get a training camp or get a summer league invite with Golden State. Proved himself enough to get a training camp invite, two training camp invites with Golden State to the point where he finally gets a two way contract. I mean, so many he so, he had to clear so many hurdles. But he's now at the point where I don't think anyone is doubting that he's not only an NBA player, but that he deserves a place in the Warriors' long-term plans. I, if I'm Golden State this offseason, I'm trying to sign him to you know, a multi-year guaranteed deal, um, probably at the minimum, but still a multi-year deal, uh, to, to be a, a rotation player. I mean, and so my point being – you know, it's really easy to get caught up in the numbers and speculate, oh, this guy's only averaging this in the G League, but it's like you got to kind of – I'm learning myself that you have to change your paradigm in terms of how you evaluate. Yeah, you you can't can't just look at numbers. There are tons of dudes I've seen like drop 60 in G League games that just don't stick in the NBA. Um, and, and, yeah, Juan provides so many kind of intangibles and, and – what I would say to Aaron's point that he made is there are 510 roster spots in the NBA. If you include the two-way contracts and not everyone uses both two-way spots, there are a lot more than 510 players 
who could get NBA regular season minutes. I'm not saying there are a lot of guys who could be NBA rotation players for eight to 10 years, but when I, my definition of an NBA player is someone who can get into an NBA regular season game and get NBA regular season minutes. So my, my definition is a little more expansive. So yeah, I'm going to think that a lot of guys have NBA potential because I've seen these guys play in the G league and I know that it's not necessarily always talent that keeps them out of the league. It's like Aaron mentioned, it's fit there. You know, Aaron Kraft could have easily played in the NBA, even though he's not a good shooter. He, he got better at that, but just what he does defensively, what he brings to the locker room. It's kind of like a TJ McConnell who TJ McConnell is now on his, like, I think his sixth year in the NBA. Um, and, and I've talked to a coach who thinks Aaron Kraft is better than TJ McConnell. And that coach loves TJ McConnell. So it's just that kind of thing. Dominique Sutton is another great Santa Cruz warrior, never just fantastic defender who just never got a chance, unfortunately, at the NBA. He's killing it in overseas. So, yeah, there are a ton of those stories like Juan. And Juan is just kind of one of those guys who who was able to make it. And not only that trade to, to get him in, into uh, the Santa Cruz Warriors regular season roster, that trade was they gave up Terrence Jones, who was like a six-year NBA veteran. Um and so that that was a big piece to move uh, for for Juan to get the last roster spot, and he is. And they did that paid. just to give him that spot, pretty much. Uh, that's the way I understood. It. I could be wrong on that. Right. Maybe that's just me, uh, you know, making the story out to be bigger than it actually was. Right. Uh, but right. I know that they really wanted to find a way to get Juan on the roster. I don't know how correlated they were to that's how I used to play it on the air because that's what I thought, but I don't know that right. 100%. Right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Kevin. Uh, I hope all the G league junkies enjoyed this as much as I did. Um, I love, I love talking, talking G league with you. Um, really appreciate it, man. Hey, thanks for having me on Connor. I, I really appreciate it. And uh, as the Alan Smiley apologist in me needs to mention that he was also injured, you know, going into his rookie season as well. And so he has never kind of fully been able to get into a full training camp. He's always dealt with injuries. So, you know, I, I if I have to die on the Alan Smiley Geach Hill, uh, I will uh, just, uh, that, that was weighing on my conscience if I didn't mention it. Our thanks to Kevin Dana for joining me on the podcast. It was fun nerding out about the G League with him. Warriors Off Court is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Support Warriors Off Court in the newsroom that creates it by signing up for a Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com pod. 